Ah, welcome to Movie Magic. We would be honored if you would join us. Five, six, eight. Five, one thousand. Four, one thousand. Three, one thousand. I am the father. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Are you one of those single-tier people? All the dogs in King's Landing howl through the night. They cry out for their true queen. Name's Bond, James Bond. One of them leads to the castle at the center of the labyrinth, and the other one leads to certain death. <gasps> Go ahead, make my day. He sounds like quite a man. A passenger has died on the train. Who gave the order to kill me? Movie Magic with Colin Gomez, Money FM, 89.3. Commence primary ignition. If you haven't watched the original Ghostbusters when it was released back in 1984. I suggest that you do so before heading out to the cinema to watch Ghostbusters Afterlife because it is a sequel to the original. Well, at least it feels that way, like a reboot, not like the Ghostbusters 2016 which was supposed to be a reboot. That had some great female leads like Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, Kate McKinnon, and Leslie Jones, but it wasn't funny and the story was blah. pity because it was a show waste of good talent and director Paul Fig didn't bring out the best in them Ghostbusters Afterlife on the other hand feels more like a sequel and it's linked to the original Ghostbusters movies in the past I won't go into detail of how it is connected as I'll spoil it for you otherwise it establishes new characters young ones uh, but it has its roots tied with the original 1984 Ghostbusters they really made that connection work this is worth watching because it's done with respect to the original and i'll tell you why it's done with respect in just a while all i can say is that it has a family element to it on screen and behind the scenes that's the big hint the movie has the same vibe and tone of the original some of the characters are related to the original Now I want you to look out for a young Asian actor and newcomer Logan Kim who's known as Podcast as he's always recording something to podcast. Then there's Carrie who plays the daughter of someone that you'll know if you did watch the original. Native to Vancouver BC Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things is much taller in this movie and gives a great performance as well. Then there's a character who is a loner This film is centered around these kids and personally I think this is a winning formula. Take for example ET, The Goonies, Stand by Me, Stranger Things and most recently Little Nicholas's Treasure which is playing at the French Film Festival. Now all these movies are centered around kids and they are all successful. Now in this movie Ghostbusters Afterlife there's a house, a house that is connected to the original Ghostbusters. and the kids are curious about this house then there's a science teacher who's there as a comic relief and he's also there as a great addition to the film he's a lovable character now there's witty jokes spooky imagery uh, edgy stuff clever jokes etc and although it's rooted in nostalgia this film is grounded in its own way like i said it's connected to the original but yet stands tall on its own Ghostbusters Afterlife was supposed to have been released in 
Then it was postponed to March 2021. And finally, it's been released now here in November. Although it's a comedy, it's a horror movie too. So yes, expect some frightening scenes. And this is one of those, you know, few supernatural films. And I say that in inverted commas, that I am brave enough to watch. That's because it's a horror comedy. Now, unlike the past Ghostbusters films, this movie leaves New York altogether and takes place in Oklahoma, making it stand on its own again. But yet, it is a direct sequel. Expect to see most of the original cast. Now, that's another connection to the original, like Sigourney Weaver, Dan Aykroyd, and Bill Murray from the original movie. If I were to compare the original Ghostbusters to this, the original was awesome, and so is this. They are both funny and spooky, especially the ghost in the library in the original. Now, can we expect something like that in this one? All I can say is don't tag along little children to this movie. So yes, Ghostbusters Afterlife was very well done, but I can't say the same for the 2016 reboot. That was a total failure, if you ask me. And kudos to the director of Ghostbusters Afterlife, Jason Reitman, who is the son of the original writer-director of the 1984 movie Ghostbusters. And his name is Ivan Reitman. And I'm sure the father is very proud of his son's work. This film will not only make you laugh, but put a smile on your face. If there's something strange in your neighborhood... Who are you going to call? Movie Magic with Colin Gomez. Money FM 89.3. There's one movie that bombed at the box office, but I liked it. In fact, I liked it very much. There are certain things I didn't like about the film, but overall, I liked it. It's directed by Ridley Scott. And yes, the man knows how to make his actors draw the sword. He did it in Gladiator, Kingdom of Heaven, Robin Hood, Exodus, Gods and Kings, and now... The Last Duel. Gladiator and Kingdom of Heaven remain my favorites when it comes to medieval sword battles by Ridley Scott. This one, The Last Duel, has made the cut as well. All pun intended. Now first let me tell you why I like the film and then I'll tell you what I didn't like about it. Although my wife and I and a handful of strangers were in the theater and it felt like a private screening, I also felt bad that not many people were supporting this film. Are they watching it illegally at home or they just listened to those that watched it before and didn't like it? Or is it because of the pandemic restrictions? Still, there should have been more people watching it. This is the kind of movie where movies like these should be made. Although it's a drama, it's an epic action film. The story is unsettling. It's disturbing, but it can have references to how women are treated in court when they are raped. Lawyers and sometimes even judges belittle women and throw the blame back on them as if it is their fault that they got raped in the first place. And it looks like things haven't changed much since the medieval days. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck team up again to write the screenplay and it's so well written. You see, the two of them gave us the Oscar-winning movie Goodwill Hunting, and so there are no newcomers when it comes to writing great screenplays. Maybe one of the reasons why it bombed at the box office is that young people, unless you're a film student, might not like this movie. And young people are headed more to the cinemas than the older generation. 
And this movie doesn't feel like a movie made for kids. And when I mean kids, I mean the kids that like movies like um, superheroes, action, bang, bang, boom, boom movies or silly action movies like uh, the Transformers franchise or the Fast and Furious franchise or the John Wick movies. Those movies have mindless explosions here and there. And most of the time, they have ridiculous scripts. You won't find that in The Last Duel. The film has many brutal scenes, especially the battle scenes. Maybe it didn't do well because of the bad press that it got even before the release. And this bad press probably came from people who didn't even watch the movie. How could have they? As the movie wasn't released and it didn't have private screenings uh, when the bad press was released. The press was talking on the subject of the movie, which was rape. Yes, nobody likes that, but without watching the movie, they shouldn't have given it negative reviews based on the subject of the movie. It was speculation and not what was seen and reviewed. The people that gave this movie negative reviews should have watched the movie first before writing negative stuff. That's why when I watch a movie, I do not read ahead uh, about the reviews or critics as that would either hinder me from watching it or I would go into the theatre with high expectations and come out disappointed. People will latch on to bad press and the internet can either ruin a good thing or glorify a bad thing. We've seen it happen in politics and in conspiracy theories where speculation and gossip become the gospel truth. I love this movie as it comes in three parts told through the eyes of the three main characters. Movie Magic with Colin Gomez, Money FM 89.3. The first act is Matt Damon's perspective of the story. It brought my feelings out for this character. I disliked him. I thought he was arrogant. Yes, you're a great knight, but boy, you are cocky. He's a war hero, and yes, he deserves respect, but instead of commanding respect, he demands it. His character is good friends with Adam Driver, but by the end of Act 1, his wife says that she was sexually assaulted by Adam Driver. I know there's a little bit of spoiler in what I said, but hey, you probably saw that coming anyway just by watching the trailer. Then Act 2 starts in the film, and that's in the perspective of Adam Driver, and then that's where my hate feelings for Matt Damon's character switched to Adam Driver's character. The third act of the film is from the perspective of the lady that was raped. Matt Damon's wife, played by Liverpoolian actress Jodie Comer as Marguerite. That's the truth, the true story. The thing about having the point of view from three different characters is that each character tells a story which is similar to uh, one another, but yet different. It also gives us the chance to get into the heads of each of the characters. The film is very violent, very bloody, very brutal, and I love every moment of it. It's a kind of a movie my best friend Raphael and I would sit and watch. Now, I'll tell you what I didn't like about the movie. Although Ben Affleck and Matt Damon wrote the screenplay and it was very well written, I felt they shouldn't have cast themselves in the movie. They were too American, although I think they tried hard not to sound American at all. And in a medieval movie, especially when it comes to horses, swords and armors, it just does not feel and look right 
on an American. Adam Driver, although an American, could carry it very well, you know, with his long hair and the way he carried himself. Nice and tall and confident. But that said, Ben Affleck's character did bring up some disgust and hatred towards him, which is a good thing as when an actor can evoke the feelings of the viewer, be it sadness, anger, happiness, etc., it means the actor did pretty good. And all three, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, and Adam Driver were able to do that. I felt angry, sorry, and sad all in one sitting. And I would say kudos to Ridley Scott for bringing out the best in the performances. It's about two and a half hours long, but it didn't feel that way because of the story and how it was executed. It was broken up into three parts. The action war scenes were so thrilling to watch. The sound design was superb and the last duel which uh, started off the movie was so thrilling that I had sweaty palms. So this movie was bookended by the duel. It started with the duel and then it ended with the duel. The whole fight. And although I knew it was coming, it just brought me there with reason. It took $100 million to make this movie and yet it bombed. And that's a sad thing if you ask me. I would watch this movie over the latest Marvel movie that's in the theaters right now. Because this is epic. It's by Ridley Scott. It's based on a true story. It had great sound design. You know, the clanging of the swords and armor, the squishing of the flesh and the oozing of the blood. It was attention to detail. The soundtrack made it even better, with the choir singing in nearly every scene. If it's playing in theaters near you, please go to the theater and watch it to get the full cinematic effect. I'm Colin Gomez, and this has been Movie Magic on Money FM 89.3. And if you want to be entertained with movies in the future, you know, if you want more movies to be made, go to the theater and support the industry. Money FM 89.3.